Welcome to Trial by Wine. We take a closer look at crimes that highlight how fascinating humans can be. Schmitty, Swanee and Clarky visit crimes and run them through their jury of three, debating both sides of the case to agree an appropriate, if totally fictitious, sentence. Please be advised, Trial by Wine may include explicit or disturbing content and will include drunken rambling. Listener discretion is advised. All right. How are we all? Very well. Very well indeed. Is it me or has it been yeah. a little while since we recorded last? It has been a little while and that's because I've been able to leave WA. Hey, so I'm really, really out. happy. What? Yeah, finally. So I'm just back from being or going east to see my family and I feel all topped up. It was um, it was just really good to see them and reconnect with them and just hang out really. That's all it really was. But um, I, I feel really energised by it, which is really nice. Everything feels like it's going to be oh. okay. Wow. What about you guys? Great. Not so much. <laughs> oh goodness, we had um, we've had a like a week and a half of lots of visitors. So we had some friends come up on the Wednesday before Easter, and they went on the Monday. Then we had someone come up on Tuesday and stay till Thursday. Then we had more people come up on Friday and stay till. Sunday, so we've been um, bed and breakfast. A little bit like a, a sweatshop doing laundry. Bed. Oh my bed god, linen. that is it, isn't it? When when we lived abroad and people would come and stay with us all the time, I could handle everything. It was just the changing of the beds, and they'd leave sometimes. And I'd be like, "Don't strip it because I don't want it hanging around. I just leave it and I'll do it myself." I prefer to take the whole lot off, but yeah, yeah, it's that and getting it, you know, laundered and ironed and back on. I feel you. It's like running an Airbnb. Did you say? Did you say ironed and back on? Oh, uh, yes, I iron out all our linen for our beds. You used yeah. to or you do? Well, that's a that's an interesting Nut, story in itself. Nutcase. It used to be done by the person who helped <laughs> us out and then it was continued to be done by someone that I, an ironing lady, and now I can not even have an ironing lady, so there you go. So now I actually take it because oh, only with some of our beds, but some of our beds have a particular linen on it. So I um, I take them to the dry cleaners and they launder them there and iron them. Wow. But that's only for some I, big I, beds. It's not like normal. It's Schmidt, you might remember in the UK there was a company called the White Company, right? And oh, yeah, all yeah. they do is a particular type of linen. You can't wash it and put it on a bed. It doesn't work that way. It needs to be ironed. Yeah, so I've you, got um I've got I need uh, to get rid of it, let's be honest. I need to phase that's, that's that out. Right. When when oh, we come no, over and nice have a, a an all together session, can we burn that stuff? <laughs> That's just time in your no, life. No, well, the other oh, never sorry, used to be dream, my problem. This is awful. This recording in one place in this one This used time to be so. my, it never used to be an issue for me because somebody else did it for me and now I, now it has become something that I might well have to phase out because, yeah, you know, don't, it doesn't need to be, it's on too many beds here. If it was on like one, I'd cope with it, but it's, I've even got it on the, like the kids' beds and stuff. It's there too much work. There is not enough time in your life for this shit. I'm trying dishes. Who, me? Oh, no. In a dishwasher? No, no, no. Dr- so just dry themselves. Correct. Doesn't a dishwasher like, do that? Forgive me. No, but... even if you hand wash, you just leave it till they <laughs> dry. Seriously, I don't even ask them. Oh no, I don't do any washing up. I air dry them. I, I like. Oh, I don't believe in. I even get annoyed when people pick up a tea towel. Like, just stop it. It'll, so do I. Do so do I. I'm like, oh, for God's sake, it'll dry itself in time. Leave yes. it there. All, All right. right. So, what are we drinking? Uh, well, we're having Tinto uh, again. You might recall we had this a number of months back. It's called Tinto de Verano. Yes. It comes yes. from uh, a lovely little winery in Colbanabin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very nice. Beautiful. It's like a, um, a Spanish kind of red wine with a bit of a lemony taste through it. 
Very, very nice. Well, I'm drinking a Matzo's alcoholic ginger beer. Western Australia. And I feel like it's sort of on the recommendation of Carla, but basically what happened was last night I was editing the Ed Gein one, the two episodes ago, where Carla talks about it discovering alcoholic ginger beers. And in a moment, in a blinding flash of inspiration, I decided to order some ginger beer and have it sent to Carla. So later, I know, you're going to crack that open. I am. After you've done the school run, not I think I might. There's actually this one. <laughs> you've sent two different types through and one does sound particularly potent. One's called Amp, Amplies, spicy alcoholic ginger beer. And it's a 6.9% alcohol and it's in a bigger can. And it's black with a no black idea. chocolate. That one says I I'm, I'm Actually, actually I saw that in the shop today. So um, so if that's nice, let me know. I will. Carla, for now? Well, you, for the, tell me you're on a, a DC after. No, I don't have um, anything with me. I forgot. Don't worry about it. I'm just ready to do my story. But I, having looked at this, I'm doing a taste, sorry, a comparison. She's going to do a tasting later. Big, <laughs> the, big, the big black one, it is actually the equivalent of two standard <gasps> drinks. I beg your pardon. That's only one. So that one's going to be the one to go with. But I'm going to be quick, Size quick does matter. bang for your buck. I'll no, be no, like, no. I'll have to do a bit of catch up. I'll have to like. Shotgun that thing. No, don't do not do that. pick up. Yeah, after pick up, and then you'll end up spewing in a bucket while we're waiting for the rest of the story. I imagine that getting pulled over. It's like, have you had a drink in the last, I don't know, how many hours? I said to her, yeah, in the last 15 minutes, actually. Yeah, <laughs> what I was just, that? I just, I just, 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 I just thought I'd do a, a, cheeky, uh, a cheeky drink before pick up. I'm, you know, I'm sure they'd be happy with that. Anyway. Okay. Should we move on to the story? No. Oh. Let us introduce ourselves first. Oh, I'm Schmitty. I'm Swanny. <laughs> and I'm Clarky. <laughs> and together, together we are, we are trial, trial by, by Wine. Wine. Wonderful. Okay. Well played. Let us move on to the story now. Okie doke. So uh, this story, when I um, first started looking into it, I was so sad it actually made me cry. But <gasps> now that I have... Done a little bit more research and abort, I abort, abort. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I've been able to sort of um, find some of the other side stories and issues associated with it. I think that it will make us feel quite angry and also quite uplifted. So I think it's a little bit. There's a little bit of everything for us. Angry and uplifted. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a good story. I think not for the person involved. I wouldn't think, but in, it's a tale where um, it's not all bad. Uh, it's certainly not all good. But uh, there's somewhat of a, a better ending than than some of the other stories that we've had. So, so persevere. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, I'm angry stupid. after most of the shows that we do. Oh so. yeah, this is definitely um, <laughs> one of it will fit in our de- defective detective. Uh, file. Oh. oh, I know. I'm okay. so sorry. Okay, my so to just tightened already. <laughs> okay, let's go for it. So my sources have been ABC's ABC News America. Wikipedia, what would I do without you? Nice. I've yeah. watched two different Diane Sawyer interviews. One was from 2011 and one was from 2016. I've also used Inside Edition. I've also referenced the National Centre for Missing and Exploited Children. Bit of a hint there. Oh, no. Uh, I've watched interviews oh. with the University of Berkeley, um, University of California, some videos with their police department there. 
Jesus, you've been busy. Well, there's a lot of stuff to watch and that's what's quite interesting about this. So it's extraordinary because yesterday you said, I better get a story. So well, I'm wow, a story what have you been for 24 hours? I've been, I've been doing watch, coke watch for the TV. last eight <laughs> hours to stay awake. Stupid. Bit of speed. No problem. Oh, no, if you, it, it's not that hard. Like when I started looking at it, there was lots. there's lots of online stuff, again, that not online, that's not the right word, a lot of, lot of interviews and you know, if you wanted to go and have a look at it, it's all there. And sometimes I find that with the, when I'm pulling a story together or trying to find one, sometimes it's seeing people the way they speak or the way they interact I, when they're interviewed that I, you know, you get a bit of the colour, whereas sometimes when it's just, you know, you're reading about a story or whatever else, it's like, oh, that's terrible or it's sad or whatever else, but it's actually some of the other stuff that, you know, is usually the freakiest bit or the some little quote that, you know, is not in a, you know, a dry document. So I like mm. to watch stuff as well as try and find it. Writing to sort of. I like to, like watch. to I, watch. I do like to. Watch. <laughs> it's because I can't read. I like to watch. Okay, so our story. I'm just going to get straight into it and straight to the crime actually, because it, a lot of it is about what happens after the initial crime. Boom! Let's go. And I don't normally have I don't normally have cause to do that, but this uh, story is the kidnapping of a young girl, and her name is JC. Duggard. And her middle name is Lee. <laughs> so I think it's... JC Lee. She could have gone to my... Well, JC, we didn't have any JCs, but it's certainly a very common middle name that was in my school, that's for sure. So JC Lee Duggard. And on June 10 in 1991 in Myers, California, which is also, I understand, re- referenced as South Lake Tahoe. So you will have heard of Lake Tahoe, but South Lake Tahoe is a place. Uh, JC Duggard had set off for school one morning and it was obviously summer there and she had a cute little pink outfit on and as she was walking up her street um, to join the road which was going to be where she collected the bus so it wasn't particularly built up a grey sedan pulled up in front of her they stopped directly like across her and they a gentleman put a taser out and tasered her what? At which point they grabbed her. He was with, it was a couple. They put her in their car and drove oh. off. This was seen by a number of people. One of those pe- people, one of those persons, was actually her stepfather. So her oh stepfather God. saw it. He called, let <laughs> say triple O. That wouldn't help you much. He was about to call 911 straight away. And was able to report that a, he'd seen a man and a woman do a U-turn near a bus stop where he could see and come back and they had grabbed JC and put her in the car. He also was able to say that it was a grey sedan and he, he did quote a, a make. Uh, Rego so, number? No, he didn't have a no. Rego number. He grabbed a bike and he tried to, like, chase after them. I don't know how oh, he did all of that at the same horrific. time. But he saw her being taken. Other school children, not a lot, but a few other school children also saw this happen. So it was whilst wow. it was somewhat isolated, Jesus. the kids that were about yeah totally yeah, brazen yeah. But I dare say you don't have you can't argue much with a taser, right? No. Oh no 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 no, no. she can't. But but it's just how bullshit that is. Oh I know it's totally bullshit. Oh I could just hear, oh that was like I was just like bullshit and it was like it's my crickets. Cricket. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> we all heard crickets on we're that one. We're all lost for words. Yeah. So the mother had left for work. And JC, wearing her favourite all-pink outfit, as she walked up the hill against traffic to catch a school bus, is snatched by this couple. The driver is a man by the name of Philip Garrido. 
and he and his wife Nancy simply rolled down the window, tased Dugard unconscious with the stun gun before abducting her. That's how quick it was. They just and she was in. I reckon that's not random. The wife dragged her into the car where they removed her clothing, leaving only a small butterfly-shaped ring on her finger. That was all she had that would be what she had. I must the say, if they're going to leave a ring on her, that's a very good place to I leave suspect it. They, I suspect they missed it. Uh, the wife <laughs> covered Dugard with a blanket. I kept calling her Dougard. Would it be easier if I called her JC? Yeah. Um, Nan- JC, yeah. 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 Nancy covered JC with a blanket and held her down as the girl drifted in and out of consciousness for the three-hour drive to where they lived. What? Yep. Joking. Someone's paid them off. This is not right. You don't drive three hours to... To find some child. Steal someone. Well, maybe you do. The girl's drifting in and out of consciousness as they approach uh, their property, which is 120 miles away. It's just outside San Francisco in a place called Antioch. The only thing that she remembers hearing was the man in the front saying, because the wife was in the back with her holding her down, was at one point he said that he couldn't believe how easy it was. She remembers them saying that. They were shocked at how simple it had been and how, how efficient the tase had been, how quickly it all happened. I don't think that they realised it would be that simple or that easy. Wow. And as I said, so her stepfather had witnessed the abduction of his stepdaughter from within inside of their home. He saw two people in a mid-sized grey car, possibly a Mercury Monarch, make a U-turn at the school bus stop where Dugard was waiting and a woman facing Dugard, forcing her into the car, sorry. He chased them on the bicycle but was unable to overtake the vehicle. Some of her uh, classmates Jeez, also saw the effort. abduction. Initial suspects included the stepfather, but also JC's natural father, uh, although he didn't actually know she existed. So they, they the parents. <laughs> so <only> unlikely. <laughs> hang on, oh, hang on. So I've yeah. abducted a daughter yeah. I didn't know existed. I suspect that. Yeah, he, we... that yeah. But anyway, that was a very short-lived proposition. The stepfather did a number of polygraph tests, and he cleared them all. So it was wasn't clear, but it was, you know, they were the ones who'd called immediately and said she'd gone, whatever else. So there was an immediate search effort, and within hours of her disappearance, local and national media converged on South Lake Tahoe to cover the story. There were dozens of local volunteers, and she is, she was, she was the prettiest blonde 11-year-old girl. I mean, it's just, it reminds me of a story that, I can't remember the girl, Sam, the one, in, the girl in Sydney that was always... They showed her that she was abducted. It's like this, you know, beautiful, really pretty little girl. And there was lots of footage of her as a young girl smiling, you know, having a, eating cereal at the breakfast table, just interacting with people, dressed up for fancy dress, just a really sweet, normal 11-year-old girl who just happened to be really very pretty. So the national media really got hold of it. You know, it was a great story to start with. People were, like, really trying to help. There were volunteers coming from every direction and the search effort was you know, extensive to start with. Since Dugard's favourite colour was pink, the town was blanketed in pink ribbons as a constant reminder of her disappearance and as a demonstration of support for her family by the community. And that continues whilst she is missing. The mum found a group called JC's Hope, which directed the volunteer and fundraising efforts because after, you know, I guess the initial weeks and then months start to pass, they don't know where JC is and interest starts to wane. So she's then trying to, you know, elevate any uh, promotion of this that she can. But also with the abduction of children, isn't there some statistic that says at some point, like within a very yep. short period of time, like 24 or 48 hours, the assumption is that they're dead. 
Yeah. yeah, 48. Yeah. That assumption yeah. was tested here recently with that little girl, Cleo, who was taken. Mm. Um, and, of course, that was I know, been, that, and that, that was, was amazing. That yeah, was yeah, unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. Wasn't it like 18 days or 19 days that she was gone? I can't remember. But, you know, because it was all of about three months ago. Um, I can't remember. Yeah, yeah. Who can remember, <laughs> yeah, that, remember that far back? But that's exactly right. In those early days, I could people were quoting that constantly. And it is true. I think that there's a window. And, if you, as that, and there's TV programs about it now where it's got like a countdown where they show how many you know, hours and minutes they're into each thing before Since, it's yeah, a critical yeah. time pass. Um, so where is JC? Where has she ended up? JC Antioch. is in Antioch and she has arrived at the Garrido's home, uh, which from the outset looks like a small grey, I guess you'd call it bungalow in Australia. I think you call it bungalow. They're like one story, very modest, very unremarkable house. And where she has been taken is into the backyard because behind the house what um, Philip and Nancy have created is kind of like a false back to the back of their property uh, where there's a fence but then beyond it they had created a sort of a, well, it becomes a bit of a compound. But to start with there was a music studio there that was soundproofed so it was mm. when I say music studio, it was like a shed. It was, I mean, it was very, very basic. Mm. Don't be getting any ideas as to anything. Like right? It was just a, yeah. it was just a run down shed that he'd used to record music, but, but it, it was, was soundproof. soundproof. Yes, yeah. and it was well hidden. Um, there were trees around it. It was away from view. It wasn't like there were other properties looking in on it. So it was quite secluded in that respect. Although from the front of the street, you would not have known it was there, and it appeared that there was just a house sort of, as I said, like a, a shortened backyard. Could you imagine that? So I guess mm-hmm. if you didn't really know a great deal about the property, you might think that was the end of it. It wasn't like totally sealed off. You could still enter it and that, but it, was, it wasn't like part of the main backyard, if you get my gist. It's not quite like where I live now, but I live in a bungalow at the back of Mum's house. Yes. And there's a big fence, so you wouldn't know that this structure is here. Yes, yeah. well, it's possibly a bit like that. So when she arrived, she was still covered with a blanket and they take her into this this room, this music room, this shed, and it was just dilapidated, dilapidated, you know, run down, quite gross, and they take her in there and upon arriving they handcuff her and leave her naked in the shed with a door that Garrado will bolt shut and he warns her that he has trained Doberman pincers outside the shed that would attack her if she tried to escape. This stuff's quite confronting. Um, There's not a lot of detail, but I just wanted to sort of give you a bit of a warning before I go into it because it's kind of what he does to her and it's not pleasant. Can you talk through this in Namibian so I can understand? <laughs> yes. If I could speak in any other language. Right after the abduction, Garrido forced Dugard into a shower with him, which was the first time she'd ever been exposed to an unclothed man. During her first week in captivity, Dugard remained in handcuffs. Her only human contact was with him, who sometimes brought her fast food and talked to her. He provided a bucket for her to use to relieve herself. However, a week after the kidnapping, Garrido raped the still handcuffed Dugard for the first time. He continued to rape her frequently, doing so at least once a year for the first three years of her captivity. What? And I've heard elsewhere, I've seen her interviewed, and she, at this age, at 11, in, you know, 1991, she thought sex was when Ken and Barbie were sat next to or lied next to each other in a bed, which is perfectly understandable at that age and 
in that era, certainly. So she said that she knew that it was evil and she knew that it was yeah, wrong. Can we jump to sentencing? I've already got something in mind. <laughs> <laughs> this is how I can shorten them, hey? Yeah, God. He gave her a television, um, but she was not allowed to watch the news and I suspect it was still because she was handcuffed so often that she could, it's not like she could get up and change it. And he'd have it on the home shopping network. So he, she had no idea that it was still being publicised that they were looking for her in any of those Cruel early years. and unusual torture. Yes. To be made to watch the Home Shopping Network yeah. all the time. But she said mm. she remembered things like she remembered them talking about jewellery and she, like the strange memories that she had. But she was basically kept in there in the dark and the wind. there was a window that had like a bars on the other side, but he had towels up in there so she couldn't see out. So she really was mm. inside hidden up. Home Shopping Networks now make me think of Richard Jones's diary. Yes. You know how the mother has the mom, an yeah. affair with the That's right. who turns redder and redder and... It's oh, all yes. bizarre. And here is the rings from the princess, her <laughs> royal highness. Oh, gosh, your memory's so good, but yes. I've seen it about a hundred times, but yeah. Have it oaf. Do you remember when the mum's doing the demonstration yes. about the eggs? <laughs> Have it oaf. <laughs> oh, anyway, good. sorry. No so worries. So inappropriate. No worries at all. <laughs> um, almost a month and a half after the kidnapping, by uh, JC's recollection, Garrido moved her to a larger room next door where she was handcuffed to a bed. He explained that the demon angels let him take her and that she would help him with his sexual problems because society had ignored him. He went on methamphetamine binges he called runs, during which he would make JC put on makeup and dress her up to spend time with her while cutting out figures for pornographic magazines. During which he had the runs. Because from everything no, I know about methamphetamine, no, I know nothing about methamphetamine. Remember the Betty Crocker one? Well, I've heard other <laughs> stories, but apparently methamphetamine gives you diarrhea. So maybe he called it runs because oh, that's what happened. Yeah. yeah. He made her listen out for voices he said he could hear from the walls and often professed a belief that he was the chosen servant of God. These binges would end with Garrido sobbing and apologising to JC, alternating with threats to sell her to people who would put her in a cage. Can you even Whoa. imagine? He's he's saying he's the chosen servant of oh, God. Oh, he's so fucked up. Forgive me. Because fiction. God has lots of servants who Please just don't. I don't like, need to. He's just. He's, he's just he's a mad deluded. Man. Correct. He's a he's madman. Crazy, uh, yeah. awful individual who has just decided to victim. And, are we going to get on to the wife yet? We're about but, um, to. Uh, yeah, no, seven no, months no, in, good. seven months mm-hmm. in, she was introduced. So she hadn't seen Nancy for the first seven months. Oh. Because I think that was about him and him trying to work through his sexual problems. And what is interesting about all in all of this is the role that Nancy played because I've read on a, in a number of places <laughs> in the last couple of hours or whatever it is because I've been working on it that long. It's not over the last six months. In the last 24 <laughs> hours. Yeah, on my cocaine. Oh, I was cramming. Yeah. I was cramming um, with on speed, yeah. On my cocaine run. Yes, they thought that they, um, the prosecutors thought that perhaps she had been instrumental in looking for a girl for him for as a kind, yeah, yeah, and some kind of, you know, to make herself a hero in his eyes and to help him and, you know, to make her look better. So yeah. that's, yeah. you know, do, she, um, she plays a big role. How do these people meet? Because like, it always Oh, wait, we'll get there. Pina Colada song. Oh, you know, wait, wait like till you hear it. Pina Colada. 
That song is disturbing to me. Am I the only person who finds that disturbing? <laughs> What's two people go it? Two people go out to have an affair and this oh, how funny. We met each other. Oh, we must be dead. What the fuck? You go out seeking to have an, an I affair. I didn't know that was what that song was about. I must declare. No, what? Hang on, what is that? Yeah, it's I about like, one like guy who puts an, ad, he puts an ad in the classifiers to say. Yeah, yeah. How do you know? I just hate the song. Forgive me. How do you not know this? <laughs> How do I really know the chorus? <laughs> How do I know this? It's literally the lyrics of the song. He says, yeah. we were a bit stale. Yeah. Oh! A bit stale. So then I, I put it an ad in the paper. Lady. My, someone else what? answers it. Yeah. And it was my own lovely, lovely lady. lady. Oh, what a coinky-dink. Uh, because they both like Peter Kalask. So apparently they both wanted something else from one another, couldn't discuss it with one another. And therefore went out to have an adulterous affair with each and other. then turned out to meet each other and go, and so oh, is that funny? Yeah, <laughs> so the issue went, if you like pina coladas and getting caught in the rain, yes. you're the lady I've looked for, right to me I didn't escape. know you liked that. That's <laughs> terrible. It's, it's, it's so disturbing. I feel very sheltered. I, I didn't know that. I mean, obviously I know the song, but I've never really listened to it. It's, it's, didn't you? No. Yeah, it's right. so wrong. It's, it's not. Um, it, you're, it feels you're like it's part of one of our stuff. stories. I'm, yeah, I'm a bit embarrassed. You can tell. You can tell I've gone very quiet. Listen to lyrics. <laughs> um, but so that's how, that's how I wonder. You know, how, when I think about how these people meet, did one of them well, put I should an go ad on in to the that. paper? Do you like tasering children? children? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and putting them in a cage. Yes. <laughs> You're the lady I've looked for. Oh. Write to me and escape. <laughs> oh, oh no, we've got another one. Oh, oh my God. We're going to have to release a musical interlude with us. We're Everything go- is interlude. We are going to have to have an album. How many tracks do you reckon we've got? And then our extra content. List. <laughs> we've got Meatloaf. We've got Khalees. Um, yeah. Who else have Escape. we got? Escape. Yes, oh, I did um, Sweeney Todd. Yes, Sweeney Todd. Yes. My anaconda don't well, want. No, no, no. She's got, <laughs> she got fun. tea cakes. Huh? Tea cakes. And then we got the pina colada. Anyway, but yes, I agree with you. How do these people meet? How do you? How do you Glad hook you up asked. with someone and say our relation? Or not even well, just hook up. Well, look, you might, you might have been, give me a moment because there's a story there, but I need to get you to that point. Okay, and it is important. So let me just finish off this little bit. And then I will, I'll tell you the backstory. Okay, so first of all, let's just finish where we're at, which is that at seven months in, Garrido introduces his wife, Nancy, to JC. She, first of all, she brings the child a stuffed animal and chocolate milk and engage in the same well, she tearful says, apologies. Did I meet you? Did yeah. I meet you seven months ago when we tasered you and yeah. I covered you in a blanket and popped you in the car and stripped you of your clothes? You had me at tasering. He introduces like. you. Yeah. Oh, oh, God. Sorry, sorry. That might have been your turn of phrase, Carla. But anyway, it's this will lead us nicely into where we want to get Mm -hmm. to. Mm -hmm. Right. Okay. Okay. So, though JC craved the woman's approval at the time, uh, she stated that Nancy was just as manipulative as Garrido. Uh, She relayed that Nancy alternated between motherly concern and coldness and cruelty, which I don't surprise any of us. um, Expressing her jealousy of JC, whom she regarded as the one to blame for her predicament. Because she's manipulated. Because you made me tase you and you made me kidnap you, yeah. Yeah, an innocent 11-year-old. This sentence may be of interest to everybody. When Garrido, Philip, was returned to prison for failing a drug test, Nancy replaced her husband as JC's jailer. 
Do we understand oh. what I've just said? Oh, my oh, God. Yeah. Oh, yep. no. Okay. Well, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Are you going to say, oh, by the way, we've got this kid here? Yeah. No, darling, anyway, I've got this. I've got this here, darling. I've got it. Yeah, you know, I've, I've, I've got, got your back. I've got JC here. It's all under control. You go back oh. to back to. That was important. Back She'll be to here jail. waiting when you come back. Absolutely. Yeah, go on. Okay, go so on. let me introduce you to Philip Garrido. So he was born in 1951 in Pittsburgh, and by all accounts, uh, having seen his father be interviewed, he was, you know, perfectly normal. There was no real issue in his childhood. Ever. However, he did have a car accident on a motor car accident on a motorcycle. I think he had a car accident. He had an accident. A car smacked into yes, his motorcycle. Correct. Yes, um, as a teenager. And as a result of that, he said that he was never quite the same again and he did start using drugs quite heavily, particularly LSD. So did he have an acquired brain injury? Well, I don't know if he does. No one's, They can't prove that. But it was a case of he certainly started doing a lot of drugs and a lot of LSD. So well, that's what his father said. So there's nothing else to sort of suggest that. That was just an interview that I saw with his father. However, in 1972, Philip was arrested and charged for repeatedly raping a 14-year-old girl. What? Yeah. He's got priors. Uh-huh. So he had drugged her and then raped her. However, she refused to testify. So that was the so? end of that. <gasps> That's all I can find on that. It's just that she chose not to testify. So what I would be, if if I had spent six months on this versus 24 hours, I'd be really interested to know when this all came out with JC, where this woman was, what her view on it was, but I, I, I have no, there's no names, there's nothing I can, no detail. So then that was 1972. In 1973, he marries a classmate he'd gone to school with. She comes forward and says that he, she suffered domestic abuse and that when she said she was going to leave him, he kidnapped her. And that's um, all the information um, I can find on that. In 1976. Mm. And you wonder why women are angry. Anyway. So oh, remember buddy. where our story starts in 1991 with JC being kidnapped. So we're back in 1976, mm. so it's quite some time before. In 1976, he kidnaps a woman and he takes her from California into Reno, Nevada, where he has a, oh, gosh, what's it called? Um, what do you call those small storage sheds uh, where they're all of them packed together? Um, oh, people use a them. Lock-up. Like a lock-up? Yes, lock-up storage, but, you know, like you yeah, pay for them, so yeah. they're all, you know, indiscriminate from the outside. Anyway, a police officer sees a car outside one and light sort of emanating from one of the um, garage doors and he goes over and repeatedly knocks on the door and finally someone opens up the door and it's Philip standing there and then the woman runns out saying, you know, I I was just being raped by him. So he actually gets caught there and then. But I mean, what and, the, I mean, let me guess, everyone refused to testify, so nothing happened. No, 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 no. Oh. He actually. Sorry, can I just check because I've, I've lost all sense of yes. time in this story. Yeah. Is this before or after he's abducted? This before? is all before. Before. JC. Oh, my God. This, so, that's, so the timeline's important. Not, no, no, so who's Nancy, Nancy's the wife? The wife. Sorry, We're about sorry. to meet Nancy. Forget her. Yep. She didn't get abducted. No, she that wasn't her that ran no. out of the, the lock-up storage, by the way. So he has a complete sheet on yeah. Correct. attacking girls and women. Yep. Okay. All right. Established. He does face trial and he is sentenced to 50 years in prison. So that is in 1976. So how do we go from 1976 getting caught doing that to being able to 
kidnapped JC in 1991. They're not many years in there, is there? There's not 50 he did years. A very, he was a role model. He another was very one. Very good in prison. Correct. Yeah, another one. You know, there's this massive disconnect between what a person is sentenced to or what a person receives based on their behaviour once they're in prison. Yeah. And the world of prison is entirely different to the world of open society because, for one, if you're a rapist, there aren't that many young girls and women around for you to rape in prison. No. So, of course, you're not out Immediately raping Immediately reformed. Well, exactly. You know, like. Oh, my God. Clearly, yeah, well, they didn't rape anyone while they were here. Well, of course, they friggin' didn't because they liked the vajayjay. there's none. And there's none of that around. That's right. Oh. Okay. Oh. I know. It's it, it, right. isn't it? You were right. When you started this and said you're going to get angry. Oh, wait. You were right. This is a tip of the iceberg. In a 1976 court-ordered psychiatric evaluation, Garrido was diagnosed as a sexual deviant and chronic drug abuser. The drug use was responsible in part for his mixed and multiple sex deviation. They also thought that he suffered from anxiety, depression, and personality disorder. He was convicted on March 9, 1977, and began serving a 50-year federal sentence at Leavenworth Penitentiary in Kansas. Where do you, what do you think he got up to when he was in jail? Guess who he met? Nancy. Well, Nancy was the cleaner. No. No. At Leavenworth, the, Garrido the met Nancy. Was she a prison guard? Nope. Oh, thank God. An 11-year-old she girl? Was a, she was visiting. Garrido met Nancy. Brockenegra. She was visiting? The secondary offender. Or have they got a pub there? <laughs> She was visiting her uncle, another prisoner. In October of 81, so remember they're meeting sometime in probably 77, 78, yep. In 81, they were married at the prison. Okay, there is something wrong with people who marry prisoners. You know, there are women who write to them and they love them. Like, like what's his name, Um, making a murderer, Avery. I haven't said that. John Avery. Stephen Avery. Anyway, the guy. Gary. (laughs) Gary Avery. Gary Avery. (laughs) I think it's Stephen Avery. Our, our, our go-to name for everything. But And, and even the yeah. uh, uh, Tiger King. Like there are people who go to jail, get a bit of infamy. They just get these letters and they get these people who are obsessed with them and they form these weird relationships with them and they marry them. Are they like people who have a fascination with crime and so do No, no, because are you going to write to a criminal? Asking for a friend. <laughs> well, in my opinion, no. If you're Nancy and you're sitting at home bored one morning eating too many chips in your slippers and baggy trackies and you go, what I really need in my life is a pedophile rapist, where am I going to find one of them? I know. I'll go to prison because that's where they all hang out. Like, she's a sharp one, isn't she? Well, she knows her uncle's there, so she's already got the in. Yeah, I know where to find them. I know where to get me one of them. Maybe maybe she because is. her uncle's there, she's desensitised to the um, reality of, of the type of people who are there. The, the, do you want to know what she does for the best I can say for her right now. What she's does she do as an occupation? <laughs> no, but she is a nursing aide and a physical therapy aide, so she's helping people yes she's she's helping people she's all about providing love and care Mm. and and support and seeing that not everyone you know has those supports and therefore she needs to be there for them i'm just surmising i could almost vomit now and i haven't even had much to drink (laughs) that's all right this is a shall apparently buckle up or at least, yeah, okay. this is, at least bucket yeah, up yeah. because Carla's Hear got me out on the next bit. The shit is about to hit the fan. You're not going to be happy with the next bit. So they've met, they've got married in 81. In January of 1988, so seven years later, Garrido was released from Leavenworth 
to Nevada State Prison. This is important, where he served seven months of a five years to life Nevada sentence. Five years to life. Yeah, we've done um, this before, seven but months. I don't understand how five years to <laughs> life. Like that is a very big bracket. We just yeah, we have discussed this before. I don't I'm get so it. confused. By I don't it. understand it. I just so he went in to Leavenworth with fifty years. Correct. Yeah, yeah but is that in and Kansas? then he's moved state. <laughs> yeah. That's gone from Move state, so the laws are different yes. in that so now state. So they reduced five to life, and he's only had to is, serve seven months. So in total, is that seriously what happened when yeah. they move him from one prison in one state to another? Yeah. They have well, or give him ten percent of his sentence. I don't know. I don't That's know. How, I don't understand how it works, and I don't think we're going to. If my math is correct, for kidnapping and um, for raping a woman for five and a half hours, where he was caught by the police. Sorry, he served a the total. Woman in- you didn't you say, didn't that, say earlier. that earlier. I just had a what? What, what did you think? Was it in the lockup who was allegedly five and a half hours rescued was raped for five and she a half was. hours before the person knocked on the door and got her out? Cops before the police, yeah, because when the police arrived and something didn't look quite right, and they you know opened up the garage, she'd been in there being raped for five and a half hours and had been kidnapped from California and taken to Nevada. Right. So that's what he got for that. So. Um, taken from California to Nevada, raped for five and a half hours, got caught. Because what, I mean, do you think that was going to have a happy ending? I wouldn't have thought so. But anyway, uh, well, the happy uh, ending oh, was the police found her. He was happy. He was she open. was very lucky. I don't want to jump lucky. forward, but does he murder any of his victims? Well, actually, I don't know. In this story, no, he doesn't murder anybody. But there are a number of outstanding sort of situations where they don't know right. if he has had involvement. Yeah, okay, all I right. can't speak Okay, to that. fair enough. Yeah. So we're now about to leave uh, prison in Nevada. So this is this is important because it sets us up for the rest of the story, really. He was transferred to federal parole authorities in Contra Costa County, California. So again, he's gone from jail in Kansas, jail in Nevada, and now he's no longer in jail, but he has a parole officer who will be looking after him in California. And Uh, Garrido and his wife moved to the city of Antioch, which is where we find them in our happy story, where they lived in the home of his elderly mother who suffered from dementia. So it was her home. As a parolee... she she knew that he was a rapist. Yeah. And your point is, you know, what? Yeah, no. Love is love. What are you saying? Why is that judgmental? Her job is to save him and then this... Yeah. And then this carer, terrible, sexy 11-year-old. I'm going to physio the fuck out of him till Yeah, but then better. this sexy 11-year-old came along yeah. and oh, ruined man. everything for her. It was all her fault. Oh, here comes that vomiting feeling again. <laughs> I'd lost that vomiting feeling. Hot burp, hot burp. that vomiting No amount feeling. of ginger beer is going to make me feel less nauseous for the story. But anyway. Absolutely. Oh. So as a parolee, and remember, he'll be on a sex offenders list because of what he's done. He wore a GPS-enabled ankle bracelet and was regularly visited by parole officers, local sheriffs, deputies, and federal agents. That's a lot of people. Yeah, it is a rather lot of people, isn't it, Clarkie? Well, he's a very bad boy. should have been visited by a fucking hitman, but anyway. Let's go back to to the backyard, okay? So now I've set the scene. Actually, I'm not okay with that. No, it gets quite interesting at this point. Okay. So we know that. She's she's holding us to point. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, we know know Philip's background. We know Philip has been in prison previously for kidnap and rape. We know that he met his wife in prison. We know that he served a very small portion of a very large sentence 
and he's now living in California with Nancy in this home in Antioch. They have snatched young JC and she's now, you know, um, captive of theirs in their backyard. So I've explained to you sort of up to the point where Nancy got involved. After almost three years into her captivity, Mm. the Garritos began to allow JC freedom from her handcuffs for periods of time, though they kept her locked in the bolted room. On Easter Sunday of 94, they, I don't know how they know that, they gave her cooked food for the first time. What's she been eating out for until What? <gasps> well, I don't know. Remember they did say fast food, fast but food. I don't know. That's cooked, so I don't quite know what that means. There was a oh, like a home-cooked meal yep. kind of thing. Dagger oh, was so, age so 13 that was at the time. they started to treat her like a person? Possibly the reason they started, started to treat her as a person was the couple informed JC that they believed that she was pregnant. She's pregnant. I knew that was She was 13 at the time and and had learned the link between sex and pregnancy from television. From the shopping network. I don't know how that works. I'm assuming they changed channels. Fucking (laughs) What are they selling on the shopping network? Absolutely. Beautiful ring from her Royal Highness, the uh, Duchess of (gasps) blah, blah. Anyway. (laughs) And by the way, you're pregnant, JC. (laughs) With lapis lazuli. (laughs) (laughs) Well done. You're very good. She watched television programs on childbirth in preparation for the birth of her first daughter, which occurred. Her first. Which occurred. So she, when she was fourteen, she had a little girl. After the birth of her first daughter, Garrido raped JC less frequently, though he was he would nonetheless do so when he had taken drugs. The last time Garrido raped JC was the day her second daughter was conceived. Her second daughter was born when she was 17. Oh, JC oh took so care of her daughters years. at this yeah. point. Uh, JC took care of her daughters using information learned from the television network and worked to protect from them the from te- him. Through the shopping network. The shopping she was network. able to educate them about lapis There's a channel for children, like kidnappees. What do you call it? Captives. Captives. Yeah. It's like what to do if you, you know, you find yourself free. A home decorating (laughs) show. How to spruce up. DIY. How to spruce up your shed, your your bolt room. We've got Sarah Beanie coming in to (laughs) Spark Joy. Spark Joy. Sarah Beanie. I haven't heard that never wrote Spark Joy. You really need to declutter that room. We are desperately trying to make this funny. Because there's nothing funny about it. Anyway. JC coped with her continued captivity by planting flowers in the garden. So basically what they so she's did allowed was out now. a little bit as the girls start to, as the little girls, as the, as the babies grow, become yeah. children, there does start to be this level of, I don't know, trust, I guess, to a certain extent. But what he's done is he's really made it a true compound. So from above, if you can imagine, there's sort of two sheds. There's a makeshift sort of outhouse where he's got like a sh- outside shower and toilet um, and he has put up even like really huge fences all around, so people can't really people can't see in. It's trees, and again from the front, it looks like it's possibly the block behind. You wouldn't necessarily know that it's associated with it, but yeah. certainly on the land. And you know, if you went to that yard, you'd say, "Oh, who's there?" or "What's that?" But that just didn't seem to happen. Yeah, but what was like you so wouldn't that- expect it to happen. Like if they're not inviting people around to say, "Look at our prisoners," you know, like, yes, you know, and, and but come over they start to. Well, it starts oh, to. There are there are there are. I'm going to get onto that where they do start to have some contact with the outside world. She starts, JC starts homeschooling the girls. But at one point, Garrido informed JC that to pacify his wife, that she and her daughters were to address Nancy as their mother and that she was to teach her daughters that she was actually their older sister. 
So Nancy is mummy to all three of them. Yeah, it's just that Jace is your sister. See her next Tuesday. When JC and her daughters were eventually allowed to come into contact with other people, this fiction was continued. So it wasn't a lot of contact, but I find this to be so hard to get my head around. He had a job, right? And like we've all worked in advertising. Garino operated a print shop where JC acted as the graphic artist. This is such a, this came so left of field for me. I just find this remarkable. So I couldn't find this reference in, anywhere In else. the office. In, this is what I don't understand. I think it, she's actually at home, working from home, I think. A customer of Garrido's. She's the original COVID girl. <laughs> absolutely. A customer of Garrido's printing business claimed that he met and spoke by telephone with JC and that she did excellent work. During this time, JC had access to the business phone and an email account. Another customer no, indicated that she never hinted to him. They don't talk about that on the shopping network. <laughs> well, they're just so threatened, I think, and it's that, well, that Stockholm think, yeah, as well. Yeah, exactly. You're so brainwashed into yeah. going, this is where I'm at. And threatened you're going to end up in a cage. And or they'll take my children. Or the, girls, or the children. Or, yeah, For sure yeah. about the children. Yeah. Witnesses stated JC was seen in the Garrido household and sometimes answered the front door to talk to him but never stayed, never stayed there was a problem or attempted to leave. It's funny because I read, I, sorry, I didn't read, I actually saw someone talking to, you know, the, the, the people that were affected and apparently the kids in the neighbourhood called him Creepy <gasps> Phil. <laughs> Not oh. terribly imaginative, but Creepy Phil. If anyone had have ever looked, it says here, the private area of the backyard included the sheds, which I've told you about, so you could actually call it a compound as such. It had the recording studio, which I told you she first went into, which was just basically a soundproof room because he'd been singing religious-themed and romantic country songs in there. Uh, two <laughs> homemade too much. Tents. There's another crime right there. And what was right described there. as the camp, toilet. The area was surrounded by tall trees and a six-foot-high fence. An entrance to the secondary backyard, so this is where they are, this secondary backyard, was covered by trees and a tough holland. Privacy was enhanced by tents and outbuildings. Electricity was supplied by extension cords. The enclosure also housed a car, a car that matched the description of the one used in the abduction. It was all wow. there. No one ever yeah, but no bothered one ever to look. No one ever saw it. Because no one bothered to look. Well, you... Schmitty, we'll get to that. Do you have any idea how many times the man was on parole? He was a sex offender. They never oh, went yeah, into that right, yard. Oh, yeah, all right, the authorities yeah. should have looked. Correct. Yeah. But yes. I was just saying the neighbours and other people who... They did, and I'll get on missed rescue opportunities. Who may go, oh, not have... Now. Oh, okay, okay. It beggars belief when you see it's just all there. It's just so obvious. And a lot of it, I guess, is what I've seen, which is a, an aerial view, Yeah. which, of yeah. course, it's all laid out. You can see there's something going on because you can see how it's all interconnected so you don't get any visibility. So although, like we're saying in one breath, oh, the girls are doing gardening, when you see them, they had never really seen the sun. They'd never been outside. Because it's really covered. Yeah. Correct. So law enforcement officers mm. visited at least, I've read some of the day, there were 60 different visits to the house over the years. And no one went in the backyard? Do you know why? It was so many. So many reports? Oh, no, because it was 18 years. 18, 18 years. years. I was horrified years. at six. They were there for 18 years. 18 years. And I'll tell you where the, the missed opportunities were and then I'll tell you how they, they came to be found. But whilst they were there, he was being visited and there's footage where she has actually, the wife has filmed, this must be very early on, I think this is just after JC has been um, abducted. The parole officer comes into the house and it's like uh, a modern day, you know, when uh, the police officer has the camera on him, but it's actually the opposite, it's Nancy. And she is heckling 
the the parole officer and belittling and just you know it is ridiculous all that because I've kind of you know ferrying him to the rooms and he's hassled and harassed sort of by them and as someone says if someone's pushing that hard you should be pushing back the other way but it gets to a point where they're just going well what's wrong what have we done and you know why is this door locked you why can't are you have that here why locked. are you bothering us you're just harassing us and as that you see her you know chasing him out the front door saying oh he's just a little man with a big complex you know all that kind of little man complex it's awful, and she's just harassing him, and I think he's just going, oh, whatever, I'm out of here. But at that point Job's early on, worth. all anybody ever had to do was was check the full property, but no one ever did, and they went so many times for different things. Remember, he goes to prison again for drugs. That happens within that 18 years, but no one's actually really, really looking and really doing their job. Do you know what I mean? It's all this kind of job's yeah. worth. So I'm going to give you a little bit of a rundown now of how these opportunities were missed when law enforcement officers, parole officers, etc., were visiting the home. First of all, police failed to realise, this one's quite a big one. If I worked this out myself from like reading a couple of documents, I don't know why they couldn't. Police failed to realise that JC had been kidnapped south of South Lake Tahoe, the same location as Garrido's 1976 kidnapping and rape of Catherine Calloway Hall. So when he took the 25-year-old girl to Nevada, that's where he got her from, South Lake Tahoe. I think there was a complete lack of... uh, Cross-referencing on a computer system. Computer systems, full stop. Our context now, which is everything should be connected, there's lots of yeah. cross-referencing, there's lots of computer shut, systems. Shut up with your good points. I want to hear Carla it. rip out some more scandal. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. Well, the next one's interesting. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't know where we were. That we, that we yeah, were there. Go. Okay, fine. Okay. Just you saying, I, there is defective, 100% <laughs> defective oh, detecting you. here. But also, it was an early period. Well, this this next one, it's contradictory in the sense that one person says it's not the case. But on April 22 in 1992, so that's less than a year after kidnapping, a man called the Contra Costa County Sheriff's Department, that's the county that they live in, from a gas station less than two miles from the Garrido's home, reporting that he saw JC inside the gas station staring intently at a missing child poster of herself. <gasps> yeah, the that, caller, that's not okay. <laughs> the caller then reported seeing her leave in a large yellow van, possibly a Dodge. An old yellow Dodge van was later recovered from the Garrido property that matched the description of the van given in that call. The licence plate was not reported. The caller, the girl and the van were gone by the time the police arrived. The police did go. The caller never identified himself and the police did not pursue the matter. However, contradicting this story, JC reported that she'd never left the house from the day she was kidnapped until shortly before her first child was born, which was 94. So it doesn't add up for her. So I I don't know. But it does sound like she was the yellow car sound. Or it sounds like at least somebody knew something was trying to dob them in at the very least. Yeah, exactly. So they made up that she was there. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Um, in June 2002, that's the, the shittest way of dobbing someone in. Don't make up a story, like, just yeah, fucking exactly. dob them in. Yeah. Just fucking tell them. Just yeah. fucking go to the police and say, that the Garrido's down there, they've got a young girl that wasn't there two weeks ago. And that this cool. is what this whole next bit is about. Yeah. In June of 2002, the Antioch Fire Department responded to a report of a juvenile with a shoulder injury that occurred in a swimming pool at the Garrido's home. This information was not relayed to the parole officer, which had no record of either a juvenile 
or a swimming pool at the at the address. So it's all about what you have on record and what you're allowed to have and what you're allowed to have access to, who's in your home. There's a lot of things that go with being on parole that are not just about, you know, you can go here, there, anywhere, keep yourself out of trouble. They're supposed to know an awful lot about what's going on and there were mm. things going on that they were totally missing when they were going to visit. You, you've looked at the compound and you, you've looked at aerial photos of the place. Did they have a swimming pool? There is an empty swimming pool in one photo that I've seen. Okay. Yeah, like an above ground. But okay. it was empty yeah. and it was sort of, it sat. So it could have been yeah, there. I don't know if it, it sat That could have happened. Now, that could be um, real. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Carla, I have seen it. Do you know, yeah. and you may not, it's okay if you don't, but do you know if the parole officer was made aware of this and just did nothing or whether they weren't even advised? Like, uh, he was not. Yeah, it right. wasn't told him. He, the information was not yeah, relayed right. to the parole officer. They would have realised that there was, well, if he had done anything about it or she had done anything about it, there would be a, a, a difference mm. in what they had on record. In This is a good one. In 2006, one of the Garrido's neighbours called 911 to inform them that there were tents in the backyard with children living there and that Garrido was psychotic with sexual addictions. A deputy sheriff spoke with Garrido at the front of the house for about 30 minutes and left. After telling Garrido I'm that there would be a code violation if people were living outside on the no, property. No not one wants enough. a code violation. Uh, I never know what that no, is. Enough. Is it like a foul in basketball? You get subbed off for 30 seconds? Code violation, yes. It's a fucking code yep. violation. We've covered how we got to have three young girls uh, living with, well, not three young girls anymore, but, you know, JC's a little bit older and her two daughters, and um, Philip and, living with Philip and Nancy Garrido. But the good, the big question is, how did it come about that these girls and their mother were um, released? And it starts in August of two thousand and nine. And Garrido himself visits the San Francisco office of the FBI, <laughs> where he leaves a four-page essay containing his ideas about religion and sexuality. Suggesting that he has discovered no, a solution. He, he is absolutely mad. He has discovered a solution to problem behaviours like his past crimes. The essay described how he had cured his deviant behaviour and how that information could be used to assist in curing other sexual predators by controlling human impulses that drive humans to commit dysfunctional acts. So that's on the twenty fourth of August. On the same day, hang on, and was um. Was JC still in captivity at his yeah, house absolutely. at this point? Yep. So this is this is how well he's cured himself of his deviant behaviour. I'm cured by kidnapping a kid and raping her for the last eighteen years. Yep. I don't know if he. There's no suggestion actually that he had raped the his daughters. No, no. no but he raped but that, that might be his thinking that he is now all sorted. Oh right. Yeah, I think it's I don't find. I think I think there's something because I didn't I didn't rape those girls. Uh, I have daughter. no desire to rape my own children. Well, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if that's actually true, but I haven't read that he did. So let's see. I also never raped anyone in jail, therefore I'm cured. Now I don't know if he was actually able to yeah. see anyone at the FBI. My assumption is if you if you turn up there as a lunatic, going, "Hey, I would like you to leave an essay <laughs> with you," I'm not sure that they're all going to be going. But let me meet with him. So let's assume that that <laughs> no one actually read that document on the day or, or thought too much about it. Yeah. Yeah. But, Nah, I'm sorry, she's in a meeting. No, I'm sorry. I bet he didn't have a name of anybody. It was just random. On the same day, find somebody. I mean, he was really going for it. On the same day, um, he travelled to the University of California's uh, Berkeley campus, so UC Berkeley. 
But he did it with JC's two daughters. He visits a campus seeking permission to hold a special event as part of his God's Desire program. He spoke with special events manager Lisa Campbell. Now, Lisa Campbell is not, <laughs> there was a word they used for this, like she's not a true police officer. She does police work, but she's not a, a I guess, badge carrier. She's like a vigilante. Well, they call them in England, know. PCO or... Yeah, I know what you mean. Community officer or something. I think that's who she is. So she wears a uniform, but she's not actually a police officer per se. She she helps with it. Oh, we call them that in Australia. CPOs, community police someone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A Comic-Con police officer? (laughs) Yeah. You're not quite a police officer. You're something like it, but you don't have the same jurisdiction or something. Victoria has them. I just can't remember what they're called. What's a Bobby? Mm. That's totally, that's actually a policeman, isn't it? That's an actual that's policeman yeah, in the UK, problem. yeah. He meets with Lisa Campbell and Lisa is a bit flabbergasted by his sort of approach and she said he was just so animated, totally nutter. By his complete nuttiness. Yeah, she said yeah. he was just not a, a well man and she spied out of her eye, you know, her peripheral vision, these two boys. I spy with Sorry. my little eye <laughs> my peripheral two children eye. that two don't belong girls. here. <laughs> two very pale girls outside the door. And he says, she said, who are they? And he says, they're my daughters. And she said, oh, well, we don't Who's come who? in. This is JC's daughters, who he has taken onto the campus with him into the police department on campus to organise. Um, he wants to be able to hold a meeting for his God Desires program. So Lisa Campbell invites the girls in and she finds the girls to be very quiet. She said that they um, were sullen and submissive and she just didn't feel like something was quite right. So she asked if he would come back the next day and he, of course, was very happy to do that because he was so keen to get his meeting. And so he left his name in the process and off he and the two girls go. Having not had a great deal of interaction, but she said their body language and they just didn't seem like they were of... She's good. Typical. You know what? I don't know if she's good or she just cared a bit. So they leave. She just paid attention. Absolutely. That's what I mean, did it. She it paid attention and she acted she on it. She just observed and went... Yeah. This oh, ain't everybody right. else. Yeah. Then what she did was she approached a colleague who was an officer called Ali Jacobs and she asked, she spoke to Ali and she said, look, I've organised this other meeting. I would really appreciate a second opinion. I don't, something doesn't feel quite right to me. And she said, okay, well, I can sit on the meeting with you tomorrow. No worries. And she said, you know, let's run his name. So they did. <laughs> oh, officer Ali Jacobs. Triple rapist. Ran a background mm. check and, and discovered that Dorito was a registered sex offender and... on federal parole for kidnapping and rape. So Lovely. the next day, and I've seen these pair interviewed, they've been on over they've been on everything. They're like heroes. What they did was they pretended they shared an office. So they were tried to make it less like it was like a bit of an inquisition on the girls. But like when one he, watching yeah. the other. Yeah. So when they walked in, Lisa was focused on um, arranging the God's Desire program with Philip. Whereas the two girls were sort of sat casually near her desk and she sort of just asked them some questions. And hey, go, when girls. they arrived, yeah. arrived, she said, Oh, look, you know, we share an office, you know, you know, do your bit. And she just was asking the girls some casual questions. And to Jacobs, uh, they appeared to be paled, as if, paled, sorry, pale, as if had, they had not been exposed to sunlight. 
and she also felt their behaviour was unusual. Garrido's several parole violations were a basis for an arrest. So Jacobs phoned the parole office to relay her concerns. So she couldn't really do anything there and then. There was nothing that was wrong with what was actually going on, but she thought behind that he would have you know, done the wrong thing based on his parole conditions. And when she got through, she could only leave a voicemail. Upon hearing Jacob's recorded message, two parole agents drove to the Garrido's house later that day. Upon arrival, they handcuffed Garrido and searched the house, finding only his wife, Nancy. And I think this is hysterical because I'd forgotten all about her and I assumed she was dead. And his elderly mother at the home. So dementia. <laughs> Been in the whole oh my time. gosh, she was like 8,700 years ago. I know. So I'm like, oh God, I thought she was long gone. I just didn't think she was pivotal in the story, but, oh, no, she was there. The parole... She must be like 107. Oh. We're 18, 20 years later. She'd be old. The parole, the parole agents then drove them to the parole office. En route, Garrido said that the girls who had accompanied him were the daughters of a relative and that he had permission from their parents to take them there. Although the parole office had previously barred Garrido from associating with minors and although Berkeley was 40 miles, 64 k's, from the Garrido's Contra Costa residence, 15 miles in excess of the 25-mile 40, 40K limit, he was allowed to travel from his home without his parole agent's permission. Nothing was done about these violations. After reviewing his file with a supervisor, they drove Garrido home and ordered him to report to the office again the next day to discuss his visit to the UC Berkeley campus and to follow up on the officer's concerns about the two girls. Garrido arrived at the parole office in Concord, California, on August 26th. So this is two days. Remember, he, on the 24th, he'd been to the FBI and the Berkeley campus. They'd returned to the Berkeley campus on the 25th, and we're now on the 26th. So it happens quite quickly once it starts to happen. Garrido arrived at the parole office with Nancy, the two girls, and JC, who was introduced as Alyssa. The parole officer, very wisely, decided to separate Garrido from the women and girls to obtain their identification. Maintaining her false identity as it's actually spelled all Issa, like A double L I double S A. That's just bit. What? Why? I mean, this is the thing with the names like Alyssa, Alicia. It's one of those. Pretty spelling. JC told investigators that the girls were her daughters. Although she indicated that she was aware that Garrido was a convicted sex offender, she stated that he was a changed man, a great person, and was good with her kids. Comments that were echoed Ooh, by the two girls. Her kids who were produced by the yeah. girl he raped for But the girls years. agree, so they're all happy to say that. When pressed for details, they would confirm her identity. She became, Jason became extremely defensive and agitated, demanding to know why she was being interrogated and subsequently stated that she was a battered wife from Minnesota in hiding from her abusive husband. JC. Mm. The parole officer eventually called the Concord police. Upon the arrival of a police sergeant, at this point, I mean, by this point, why weren't the police here in the first place? They're still all at the parole office. Mm. Garrido admitted he had kidnapped and raped JC. Only after this did she properly identify herself as JC Duggar. She hadn't said her name in 18 years because she'd written her name down once when they gave her a kitten and they took away from her and she was allowed to keep a little journal about the kittens and she'd wrote, written her name and he said, you can't do that and ripped it out. And she'd never repeated her own name in all those years, 18 years. God, so she just being forgotten. able to remember that. Exactly. She'd just forgotten who she was. It's interesting because I, I, I will say this, and I've mentioned it before, where this sort of Stockholm syndrome, she kind of refutes that because she says it's an insult to her. She says, the phrase Stockholm syndrome implies that hostages cracked by terror and abuse become affectionate towards their captors. Well, 
it's it's really degrading, you know. Having my family believe that I was in love with this captor and wanted to stay with him, I mean, that is so far from the truth that it makes me want to throw up. I adapted to survive my circumstances. She repeatedly stated that as a survival mechanism, many victims are forced to sympathise with their captors. Garrido and his wife were placed under arrest. An FBI agent put JC on the telephone with her mother, Terry oh, Proben. God. Could you God. even Could imagine? You Could you even, yeah. Exactly. And I, I have seen her interviewed and the mother just was, I don't know, I mean, obviously it had destroyed her life and she never gave up hope. And the, there's a really sweet thing that they talk about where they had as when, you know, JC was younger, they'd always sat on their veranda and looked at the moon and... She said on the occasions when she'd look at the moon, she'd wonder if her mum was thinking of her, if her mum had forgotten about her, if her mum knew about her. And she had this little saying that she would say, which was, I see the moon and the moon sees me. God bless the moon and God bless me. And she used to say that to herself. And I think her mum would say it on the other side and so that they'd often be looking at the moon. And her mum, when she was interviewed at one point, was looking at the moon saying, you know, where are you, JC? When are you going to come home? And it wasn't long before this all happened, like it was in a matter of days or something. But what is quite interesting is obviously there were legal proceedings against Philip and um, Nancy, but also against the state. And the Duggans sued the state of California and they also attempted to sue the federal government of the United States for when that was like a federal parole situation. They were successful in suing the state of california and they had they were granted a 20 million dollar settlement what did they sue them for because she should not have been kidnapped and raped by someone who was on parole because they were not doing their job as garrido was had been on parole for a 1976 rape at the time of her kidnapping uh Dugard sued the state of california which had taken over the parole supervision from the federal government remember when they moved it from kansas to nevada to california yeah. Yeah. On account of the numerous lapses by law enforcement during instances in which her captivity should have been discovered by them. In July 2010, the state of California approved a $20 million settlement with Duggard to compensate her for various lapses by the corrections department that contributed to Duggard's continued captivity, ongoing sexual assault and mental and or physical abuse. I've seen the mother asked about the money and she was like, you know, it's neither here nor there really. And she said that nothing has really changed in the system. She said, you know, I still don't know that things like this don't happen. But I did see another interview and I mentioned at the outset that I had seen a, um, an interview with the, Cent the National Centre for Missing and Exploited Children. And there was some good news in that in the sense that I think it's now 25 years or it's a long time since, or what year was it, 19, how many years is it now, 30 years? 91, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah since she was kidnapped but so much has changed in all our world since then that what they find is in 2011 when she you know was all this was all in the news they said that in the US there was a hundred children basically hundred children give or take I'm sure being abducted a year in the US but that is a declining number and the reason that is a decline number, and I mean, obviously that's now 11 years old, that piece of information, is there are so many different things that now play a part in finding a child when they go missing. And the thing that you'll, you'll probably notice when you're in the US is when you're on freeways and stuff, we see that Amber Alert. So they can get information out immediately if someone goes missing, this is what we're looking for. So there's a much more united, I think, I don't know if it's state or national, but I've certainly been, you know, in Florida when I've seen things come up, we're looking for this car, we're looking for that child. That process has really helped. But the thing that they said helps the most is actually smartphones. 
because they can get pictures in front of people in real time. People can take pictures and all of that kind of stuff is actually helping. And they said that the one thing with all of these type of sexual predators, they really want to stay under the radar. They do not want to be caught. They're not trying to become, they're not the kind of criminals who want to be infamous for what they've done. They are deviants who are trying to do this, you know, in the shadows. It, it makes their job that much harder. And they said that, you know, there are so many more things that have, have come into fruition since the time that she was abducted that actually do help children. And this National Centre for Missing Exploited Children, I think it only just started around the time that she was abducted. They teach children more about being assertive, how to scream, how to kick, how to say, this is not my mother, this is not my father, if there was one, anything they can do. I don't suppose it's going to help you being tasered, but... Again, there is much more awareness around this kind of thing that, you know, that sexual predators, we didn't really talk about them the way we do now when we were children, right? Or you'd laugh about it or they were like perverts and that was kind of it. Who shall we uh, take to trial? Who angers you the most? Who do you think played the biggest role? Um, can I can I start with one? Yeah. I don't want to start with the Nancy and Phil because... Phil and Nancy. I like it. Well, it sounds like the... Reagan's Ronald and Nancy yeah. like it just sounds a bit too casual and I, the, the, the one I want to know more about is old mate who threatened with the code violation so someone's complained about children in the backyard mm-hmm. and people living in tents and he went to the front of the house deputy sheriff and had a conversation oh yes and then threatened a code violation and left. That is the deputy sheriff and I've never heard him speak, but I've seen a sheriff speak a number of times and I've seen a sheriff interviewed and it is, you know, a a huge embarrassment, but he he just waffles when he answers that they were just, they just did the wrong thing. Well, it wasn't even under resource, just did the wrong thing. So his name was Warren E. Ruff and he issued an apology to the victims in a news conference. That's the sheriff, sorry. The deputy sheriff was the one who went... And when the sheriff was interviewed, they said, did you talk to him today? Oh, no. He said, well, you just didn't care. He said, well, no, I wouldn't say they didn't care, but they just didn't didn't follow it up. They didn't, didn't care enough. So I don't know what he talked to him for about half an hour at the front of his house, but the code violation here. A deputy sheriff spoke with Garrido at the front of the house for about 30 minutes and left after telling Garrido that there would be a code violation if people were living outside the property. So uh, did he just say, so well, are there people there? I don't know. They're not there at the moment. Yeah. Can I have a that, look? So that's the... That, yeah, yeah, that's the bit that I kind of go, if anyone hasn't done a good job, so if there's something that has been reported that's happening at the back of the house, mm-hmm. as an absolute minimum, you should ask to go and see the back of the house. Yep. And if you can't, because the person won't let you, yes. that right there is an alarm bell to say, maybe I should be asking for a warrant here because... He's now stopping me. What what I need to to have comfort that this isn't happening is to just do a five-minute walk around the house and and make sure everything's okay. Yeah, what's the problem? Let's have a look. Oh, I couldn't agree You're stopping me from doing that and therefore you are... Obstructing justice. Well, you should then have suspicions raised to go, why would someone who isn't hiding this not want me to come and have a look? He should have, as a deputy particularly, he should have the, the... Wherefore art thou? I don't know what the right... Wherewithal. That's him. (laughs) To to actually go, I need to go and do this further. I shouldn't just let that one slide. slide. And even on a bad day at 3 o'clock in the morning when you wake up and have those, how did that day go yesterday? 
might go and check up on that. Go, shit, I really should do more in that space. And that's the thing, right? Because it all comes back to sometimes, you know, when these women who were the ones who came forward said it wasn't right, their intuition, they they looked, they could see something wasn't quite right. So there there was a report that was done after they were found looking into the California Department of Corrections and Rehabilitation. And when they were discovered, guess who were the first who would have come out and celebrate the fact that they had been some it was the parole board they came out like heroes and said we're so relieved you know we're so happy that we've done this they took the credit so there's actually a press conference that they held saying you know this and of course they then had to issue apology later so on november 4 2009 the california office of the inspector general issued a report that enumerated lapses by the california department of corrections and rehabilitation that had contributed to duckard's continued captivity the central finding was that Garrido was incorrectly classified as needing only low-level supervision. All other lapses derived from that mistake. In his report, the Inspector General detailed an instance in which a parole agent encountered a 12-year-old girl at the home, right? What? Of a sex oh, offender. Fuck. Yep. Oh. But accepted Garrido's explanation that she was his brother's daughter and the agent did nothing to verify it. Oh, despite the fact knowing that he was yeah, a sex offender, right. despite the fact that a call to Garrido's brother verified he did not have children, and my I wrote oh, what? My what? big underneath that I wrote what? And I mean what? There's just it's damning. It really is. Up until then, I'd been trying to understand why the parole board or parole system was at fault because I could imagine a whole lot of scenarios where you'd go and visit someone's house and you wouldn't notice those things. Yes. That is is the alarm bell that they should be, you know, God, even if you don't deal with it properly in the moment, reflect and go, what? Hang on. That, 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 that yeah, doesn't yeah. add up. No, and that's it didn't add up at the time and then we rang up and found out that it really didn't add up and then we ignored it. And yeah. we went, oh, that's all too hard. I can't deal with that today. Isn't it crazy? It just, sometimes I read these things or watch these things and watching these people being interviewed and. Do you think it's just like impossible for some people to believe that that kind of heinous behaviour is happening? Not if they're a parole officer or in the criminal justice system at all. For Joe Bloggs down the street so, maybe. But that's yeah. what these guys, that's their job, right? That's their job. That's well, where this is different to other stuff where we go, oh, my God, you know, how can people be so foolish or stupid? That's not the, That's not what's happening leave. here. This is their job. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's where it, this is where they're supposed to know. Yeah, yeah they're, they're, so, they're supposed to suspect. We've talked about yeah. detective, sorry, detect, defective detectives. We've talked about lots of this in the past, but we haven't actually talked about someone whose job it is to ensure that people who have been released and they're in, you know, community are living the lives that are that they're that they're allowed to, or they're that they've been given the freedom to. That's acceptable. Or yes, whatever. and then you know that's their job to make sure that they are living within those very strict requirements, Boundaries, so yeah. they can be allowed out, and that's the price they pay to have their freedom in the document. Right? Remember, this is the document of this um the California Department of Corrections and Rehabilitation. There were two photos in there that one was a graph sorry and one was a photograph one was a, an image of the, the the compound and the house from above and it had a red dot for every time he was was what he had his um ankle bracelet on so they could see where he was because it tracked he traveled to and, back, and where yeah. do you reckon he was he wasn't in the house he spent most of the time in the back of the shed yeah you could see the so there was like a, an aerial view of the house with red dots all over the back part and another one was 
um, a table actually that had every visit that they'd ever been made by a parole officer. There were over 60 visits because it was 18 years, remember? And remember he had gone to jail within that 18 years for a drugs offence. He'd gone back to jail. And there's not a lot of chat about that except the fact that Nancy took over for looking after JC, but on that they had like a little yellow box so every time they had entered the house, and it was most of the time, maybe half the time, but they'd never, always been stopped. They'd never got into the backyard. No one ever checked anything else. They were just like, yeah, it's good. We're all good here. I'm, um, I'm, I think in some ways I can understand them not getting into the backyard, and, and clearly I don't understand the role in the system well enough. Yeah. What I can't get is if he's not allowed to have underage people around him and there is one. What, what, oh, what, I know, what? I know, I know. What? Uh, yeah, so my my first thing, first person I have issue with is the deputy, and mm. and then the other one is that that whole parole thing. My God, I'm shocked now that there was a juvenile in the house, and they just went, ah, oh, yeah, but you know, I can kind of understand it. I don't need to verify it. I'll, I'll make one call, and that actually doesn't verify it. It actually adds more weight to the problem. But you know, not today. I'm busy. And, and therefore not ever. That that stuff I just don't don't come at at all well. Well, I'm, it must have been a big shake-up after this because it really, a lot of people would have felt, well, I did see people interviewed, people were really angry when they found out that he was living in their street, in their community. They were just like, what, how, how have you allowed this to happen? It wasn't simply the, the Duggards who were, you know, put off by all of this. It was really what is going on with our system statewide that this is allowed to happen because... What I've come to realise is I think I underestimate sometimes how many people are on the sex offenders list and how prevalent they are in certain areas. It's well, not even areas, that's not a fair thing to say, but just generally. It's worrying, that's for sure. What are your thoughts, Schmitty? Well, I just don't think rapists should be allowed out of jail. I, I take a really hard line around rape and, I mean, kidnapping and everything that this man has done from the 70s onwards. Yep. In, the, in the context of sentencing, like I, I'm with Clarkie and that the, the system's failed significantly. The system failed from day one where they allowed this man out of jail after 11 years instead of doing, or five to, that's right, he got it's moved. Five, yeah, five to life. And then it went five to life. And he did and seven months like, of that, yeah. Just that's, that's where I That's the numbers that just don't seem to make sense, do they? They're ridiculous. You go life, or we put you in trial by wine world in the back of nowhere where you can't hurt or rape anyone. And to that end, I'm going to insert a glass pencil shaped or straw shaped shear cylinder and shatter it in his penis. Oh! So that he can't rape anyone because he is deformed and in pain and possibly pustuous for the rest of his living years. And, and, and this particular individual deserves that. So I'm going to just park that where he's sitting in the back of Child by Wine World with his big pustuous penis and we're going to leave him there. Secondly, <laughs> Carla's like can he, can he also be made to eat a bag of those dicks? Oh, yeah. He doesn't have to eat a bag of dicks. He just has to lie there in agony and thinking about that his cure for himself is wrong and that his, everything about him is wrong. Anyway. I think, I think your punishment would cure him of future rapes and whatnot. Well, it would, it would hopefully stop him being able to commit other rapes, and then by yeah, keeping him, you wouldn't need him... to, be... well, wouldn't the need thing... to write a five-page essay and give it to the FBI to no, say, no. "Hey, he's he's, he's now to do it." Yeah. <laughs> For many years, you know, there's been this debate about chemical castration of rapists, and and the theory is that people who commit rape, because rape's generally not about sex; it's about control and power, power. and 
yeah. and or hurting someone else. So, you know, if you take away the means for someone to be a rapist, do they then become a murderer? And that's why we put him in the back of trial by wine world where he can't hurt anyone and he's just going to sit there with his pustular stick and I'm okay with that. Then we've got Nancy. I think Nancy needs to be tasered hmm. regularly because... Every that, hour on the hour. Well, I don't know about every hour on the hour because she's got to recover a bit and then... It's more like I, I, I like. Does she though? I like the element of surprise, right? So because that's what happened with poor old JC, right? She's just getting off the bus, or she's just going to school, yeah. and suddenly she gets snatched and she gets tasered, and she didn't see that coming. I think Nancy needs to live in a world of perpetual terror because someone's going to taser that bitch, but she won't know when it's coming. Can she be locked in a cage too? Hold that thought for your own sentencing, but for me, I'm just I'm just running around tasering her when she's least expecting yeah. it. She's on the toilet, taser. She's down at the shops, taser. She's watching Shopping Network, taser. You know, just just when she least expects it. And then there's a whole bunch of people who really should just have massive performance appraisals about whether or not they do their jobs properly from the deputy sheriff through to the parole office. So all those people need a really serious career-wise dressing down and that's probably where I'm going to go with that. Over to you guys. I, whilst I totally agree, and you know that I've through through this story, I've clearly been Happy days. disappointed with how it was dealt Not with and him. how many times with there are opportunities for people to see something, to notice something, to do their job. Uh, I'm going to park that because I think that that's in and of itself, you know, <laughs> nearly criminal. But I'm just going to focus on Philip. I think what would be most frustrating for Philip is. Philip had got to a point in his life where he was so impassioned about this God's desire and what he thought were his findings and the fact that, you know, he had um, been cured of his sexual deviance and he was going to help the world and the fact that he was trying to get the FBI involved. I think a real punishment for him would be perhaps locking him up we can, we can put this on um, one of the back lots of uh, Trial by Wine World. Let's get one of the sheds that is like, we'll do it as the studio. Let's fit it like it was. Let's have him handcuffed there in the nude for um, attorney so he can't access his part that he likes to and have him on maybe a constant call to the FBI trying to get through to somebody who he can speak to about his four-page essay uh, that he's left because I think that he'd find it very frustrating to know that he's got this brilliant piece of work that he has, you know, come upon over these 18 years of having kidnapped a girl. Can he just, can he just reach their voicemail yeah. every Correct. time? And get put through That's to the wrong he And he ne- he's just there naked, can't access himself. He's handcuffed. That's very important. Uh, he has no other stimulus. He can't see anyone. He can't see anything. He's just on this constant loop of trying to to hear back from so he could just set a meeting up with somebody about his uh, his essay. And I did read some of that they did come back, the FBI came back and confirmed that he had left that. It was caused, oh, here we go. FBI spokesman Joseph Shuther confirmed that Garrido had indeed left the documents with the agency as he had claimed, but declined to discuss further details. The document was titled Origin of Schizophrenia Revealed. What? Uh, it, was eventually, it was eventually released by the FBI. It was about stopping schizophrenics from turning violent and controlling sounds with the human mind. So a bit random. But, yeah, I don't know there's a big audience for that, but he, I mean, he's just a nutshell. Can we do a peer review on that? (laughs) 
to do <laughs> to do anything. I just I, I think it'd be a waste to come up with something terribly macabre to do to him because I just don't think he'd care. He's just beyond gone and Nancy. I, I, I can't be bothered really. That's my punishment. They're just they're a waste of space. Right? Have you done your punishment already? Uh, I I, well, I don't know. I'm just lost. I'm just lost. I know it's disappointed. You're disappointing you know, you know people, what? aren't you? I... Glass rod. Glass yeah, no, no. Rod, I'm, I'm completely <laughs> comfortable with the glass rod thing. I think, Schmidty, to your point, this bloke is a, a rapist in the truest sense of the word. It's not yes. a, yeah. you know, we, we had a, a very long, drawn out court battle and it got passed on a you know, very close call, in which case you might yep. go. Maybe we don't want to go the glass rod. He deserves a glass rod, one hundred and ten percent. Bit of cobbling. There's just so many things that I think he needs, and I'm, and I'm okay with them being recurring, so that it's not just a once off. The glass rod is great because it's going to be a punishment for the rest of eternity. But I feel like I probably want to chuck a few more in at him. I'm not sure what the equivalent is for Nancy, but maybe there's an equivalent glass rod that we can give to her that maybe a little grenade or something keep, keeps her in pain for the rest of eternity too yeah she's 100 percent glass rod yeah, exactly <laughs> right yeah yeah i, I think I, I oh i i just i don't want to understate her role in this because no the, the fact that she's they've done a tag team don't worry i'll look after them while you're in jail oh, if there was yeah. any kind of opportunity for her to go yeah. right, I'm no longer under his spell, I can make right now, that's the time to do it. And therefore I don't see any... Um, 100%. Yeah. yeah. Let's glass rod the bitch. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That'll do. Excellent. Well, I did want to finish by saying two things. Yes. One was I haven't actually even told you the sentences that they got, which is a bit remiss of me. Glass so rod, on I June- thought... <laughs> Garita was sentenced to 431 years See? to life imprisonment. That probably that probably equivalent to about that probably comes down to about four. You can have um, one yeah. billion years in jail. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. And his wife, Nancy, she got thirty-six years to life. So they're both still is, is that like... incarcerated. Oh, sorry, that might be a bit late. How old was she when she got 36 years to life? Oh, let's have a look. Let's have a look. She was born. I'm not doing the math on this. I'm telling you, I'm not doing the math. She, she was born in 1955 yeah. and she was imprisoned. This is math. Can you do it, Schmitty? She was. I'll try. She was um, sentenced 2011. So, so 56. How old was she at the time? 56. So, 56, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so she's going to. Yeah, so she I'm could, just wondering whether the 36 years to life is like 36 years to 50 years or 36 years yeah. to 20 years. Neither here nor there, is it? It's like whatever. Yeah, right. Um, and a final thought, which was I just wanted to let you know what JC's been up to. So, mm. first of all, in the first couple of years after she was out, I think by about 2000, that was in 2011, yeah, she wrote a book which is called A Stolen Life, a memoir. It's a tearjerker. I bet it is. Um, <laughs> yeah, and I have seen her interviewed, and she's she's quite a remarkable young woman. Interestingly, she is the or not interestingly, it's probably pretty obvious actually. She's totally the pinup girl for the National Centre for Missing and Exploited Children because she gives hope to people who have 
you know, had children. Lost their children. Oh, could you imagine? I don't know if yeah. they'll ever come back. Yeah. And I saw the guy who is the head of it, and he is wing. He says she is absolutely instrumental to showing people why we never stop. We never stop until we have a body. Well, you know, She's that, not the yeah. only story of a child no. who disappeared and came back later. Not but at all. There are lots of times. Correct. Yeah. But but the idea is that you mustn't stop looking. You just keep going. And I guess this is very relevant given we're looking at, you know, the Madeleine McCann thing has come up again in the last week or so. I guess, you know, you hear people go, oh, that's the end of that. She's, you know. But, I mean, as her parents, you just can't give up hope, I guess, until you have something concrete. If you lost a child, like you, you always want to believe they're still alive somewhere. And you'll see them again, but you still want to. But you want to know what happened one way or the other. Yes, you yeah. don't. You don't get any closure. I, I can't imagine the torture for people who have lost their children, who have been who their children have been taken from them by other people, and they just don't know what happened to them. I, I, it's, it's, it's unimaginable for me. Yeah. It's just the worst thing ever. Well, I've had a few bad days at work, Schmitty, and I, <laughs> and I would like to have a chat to JC to just compare bad days to see, you know, whether mine was worse. You, you have it does provide you Let's with get an some extraordinary amount of perspective, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that's that's it. I think that the the upshot is that um, JC is in a really good place, and I've seen her interviewed shortly thereafter and more recently. And her girls are both at college. What a remarkable! They are. One. They have a very small, very tight knit family around them who mm-hmm. know the true story. They don't share who they are, obviously, with people or their backstory. But the girls are at college, and JC is doing marvelously well. She was awarded by um, Diane von Furstenberg a Courage mm-hmm. Award, and she was on stage with Oprah. So she she works within those circles where she's trying to help people, particularly families of children who are missing, having Lost been abandoned. children. Yeah. So yep. that'd be pretty heart wrenching work, and I guess she's best placed to do that. So good honour. So there is some light in this story, and that is it. Well, I've got to say that was a really, actually, very, very tough story. So thank you. And as the mother of our of us, mm. not the mother of us, Jesus. didn't actually give birth to me. Or imagine uh, being the mother of both <laughs> you and I. Really. God. <laughs> Oh. Oh, well, you've met my mother. No, but, but being the but one mother, the mother for both of us, like. <laughs> exactly. Oh, what what did you yeah. do wrong? As the mother amongst us, you know, that was actually, I think, quite brave to uh, address such a difficult subject matter. So well done. Well, thank me. you. So, As yeah. I said, I did start, it, it sort of set me off at one point. With, and I mean, if you watch any of the stuff, and I would just have a look at the Diane Sawyer interviews because it's, it's done so well. And that meant that I was so upset. But then at the back of, but it's all, but then it's all this I other watch stuff. fictional, I've watched fictional stories about people who've gone through incredible trauma and I cry. So, you know. My mood shifted. The real stuff. My mood shifted from being, you know, like weepy to what the fuck when I started looking yeah. at who this guy was, the backstory. There was so, I mean, we talk about, you know, alarm bells and red flags, whatever else. It was all there again. Mm. <laughs> My poor children are going to be reminded again tonight of, if someone approaches you, what to do, you know, how, you know, all of that stuff a million times. Well, I've done a bit of that since we started doing this well, podcast. Well, it's true, I know. People. I mean, if you, you go know. somewhere on your own, can you drop a pin? Well, Tell this is the thing are, that I was saying that the, the, the <laughs> place that most children get abducted is actually on the way to school, to and from school, mm. where they're a little bit relaxed, they're often on their own. I was like, oh, my God. So my oh, whole in the middle of a busy street, getting off a bus, yeah. getting tasered and taken away. That'll do it. 
that will that do it. Extraordinary. Yeah. Excellent. Um, anyway, absolutely brilliant job. And uh, as we say every week, miss you already. already. Ciao. Ciao, Charmy lovelies. Ciao. <laughs> I don't know why we went to England just then, but I'm glad we did. All right. Ciao. See you guys. Good chat. Bye. Thanks for listening to Trial by Wine. You can contact us at trialbywine at gmail.com. Please rate, review and subscribe to Trial by Wine on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. If you'd like to support us, you can become a patron at www.patreon.com, Trial by Wine. Or visit our website, www.trialbywine.com, to donate to us. Your support will help us cover many more cases and apply wacky sentences. We really appreciate you listening and hope you tell everyone about us. Our cover art is by John Christo and music is by Beauchamp from pixabay.com.